Sending in your stock rig to full-on LS-powered two buggies on stickies. This is the Total Off-Road Podcast. I'm Derek. I'm Mike, and you're listening to episode 181. What a good number. I feel like 181 is a good, nice, wholesome number. I don't know if it means anything, but... You just like that 181 sound. like that 181 sound, yeah. 182, nah, 180. No, that 181. It's a prime number. Is it? Bring bring people back to their middle school math days. Yeah. How do you know? Are you sure it's a prime number? I Googled it. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I agree with you. Just like I hear 181 and I'm like, there's no way that you can equally divide that by uh, anything. Yeah, but 81 you can. It's nine times nine. Yeah. So. Yeah. You well, add 100 to it, and it just fucks it all up. Somehow. I'm not sure somehow, why. Somehow, some way. <laughs> it's a prime number. Fucking Derek trying to give everybody a math lesson. <laughs> now you got learned. Everybody's just... People listening right now, it's like 7 in the morning. They're like driving to work, and they just got mathed, and now they're mad. <laughs> now they're, now they're I'd mad. be mad if you tried to make me do math like first thing in the morning. I'd like we, two sips of coffee. I turn on the podcast. You make me do math. I'm mad. We did it for you. We didn't make anybody do math. I didn't say, <sighs> Mike, is eight is one eight one a prime number? I looked it up. Fucking, I like Google God, for it. You know what, Derek? It's the future. That's what I think. Of your math. You're gonna really enjoy my not beer drinking, but I'm sick. Hey, you know what's really good for you when you're sick? I know you're going to say beer. <laughs> <laughs> you you don't know that I'm going to say beer? Fine. I, d- I do know that you're going to say beer. <laughs> it's beer. Beer makes me feel better when I'm sick. Unless my stomach hurts. Well, actually, even if my stomach hurts, I think beer kind of helps because of the carbonation. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like if you're nauseous... Nauseous, you- maybe you'd be... I don't know. Not not nauseous, but like stomach hurt. Like uh, your stomach uh, hurts stomach. beer. If you're nauseous, maybe no beer. Yeah, maybe no beer. But like, like if you have the flu, a low, fuck that. A low alcohol. I'm pretty sure I have the flu. Oh. Or um, I don't know what I have. So I went to Asia, and it was all fine the whole time. And on the plane back from Japan, like an hour into the flight, I'm just like, oh, I got like a chill, and it's so like covered up with the blanket and like put on my hoodie. And I'm like, man, they really turned down the AC on this plane suddenly. And then I started to get body aches and then my throat started to hurt. And I was like, fuck. And so I didn't do that for like the next 10 hours or nine hours or whatever. That was awful. Put on my mask so I wouldn't like suddenly infect the people next to me. Thinking on the bright side, on the bright side, you didn't get it while you were there. So that means that all of your work related meetings and such went well. And my exploring of Tokyo. Oh, I can't wait to hear about that. I will tell everybody about that. Um, but first, I don't think it's COVID because I've taken two tests and they both been negative. So I think, and I don't think it's like the symptoms are slightly different. So I just have like either like a really bad sinus infection with tons of drainage down my throat or just a sore throat. You but could just have the common cold. Is sore throat part of the common cold? Mm, if you have a lot of drainage, yeah. I mean, I guess. I mean, but like the sore throat breathe. is caused by something else. I can breathe pretty well, though, which is the weird part. So, mm. I don't know. It's better today. Yesterday was real bad. This morning was not great. Um, but yesterday, like I was waking up 
uh, Monday night, Tuesday morning, I was like waking up in cold sweats and stuff like that from like fever and stuff. And then, uh, yeah, I think I broke the fever yesterday. Um, and then last night I slept pretty good, but woke up a few times just cause of like, literally my throat feels like every time I swallow, it's like the worst thing ever. Beer, worst beer ever. will help with that. I don't think so, but I don't know. I'm also drinking carbonated water. So maybe exactly. So the difference between drinking a carbonated beverage and drinking a beer when you're sick is when you drink carbonated beverage, it soothes your throat when you're drinking a beer is the carbonation to soothe your throat and the alcohol to make you feel less pain. True, but then also I won't sleep as well, so I'll get sicker longer. Probably You drink more beer and it <laughs> knocks you out and then you sleep even better. That's not true at all. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. You just drink a lot and then you sleep amazing, right? I also can't drink, I can't drink more than a beer on my sleeping medication, so... Sad. Oh my goodness, Derek. Yeah, I know I'm a bitch. So stop taking, I feel like I have all the solutions for you. So you stop taking your sleeping medication oh, and no. you only take beer instead. No, I can't. I, I, so I ran out of sleeping medication on, um, the last night that I was in Japan and I felt like fucking shit the next morning. Cause I, I think there's some withdrawal too. So it's like, not only am I back to where I was before I was taking it, but also I have a little bit of a withdrawal. So I slept even worse. And Derek, yeah, real bad. Don't make me go get the doctor. I'll be like, God. hey, Patty, can you prescribe Derek's ass a six pack of beer before bed? And she'll be okay. like, approved. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely not drinking a six pack of beer. I will die tomorrow. Well, if the doctor prescribes it, you probably won't die. I'm pretty sure Patty would not prescribe that. Well, I mean, I could bribe her. <laughs> bribe her? <laughs> Come on. I'm not going to drink six pack of beer. Do it for Papa. That's gross. Now I'm definitely not doing it. <laughs> okay, I'm not fine, even Derek. on the Patreon yet. <laughs> I'm sorry. I uh, the reason that you got that crispity, crunchity beer opening snap is because I was already drinking a dank meme, and then I saved opening the second dank meme for the podcast. Nice. So I've already had a couple of beers. We, we appreciate so. you saving that. I do miss a dank meme. You feel like I feel like there's. A dank meme that I should be able to get out here. I just don't want to have to go through all of the different IPAs to find it. You know what I mean? Like, like dank meme is really good, but like mm -hmm. California is the land of the IPA. You should so be able to find a similar IPA, I would hope. Yeah, but man, this beer hope. is very good though, and and I feel like dank meme is pretty low ABV. That's like five, I think five, six, five point four. So that's not bad. it's a, as far as IPAs go, very good for being low ABV. That's good. Yeah. I really want the what was the vanilla? Oh my god, there were so many. Giant Not giants, one. but windmills. Yeah. Yeah. I want that so hard. <laughs> uh, so many of the beers are so good. I was actually kind of sad. I went to Triptych. Um when I went to RC Fest on my drive home, I was driving kind of sorta of by Savoy, so I took the exit. And I went and picked up some beer, but unfortunately they only had a couple of beers I really wanted. They had a they had a Neo Revolution, which is a spinoff of wake up neo mm -hmm. and they had little secret which is an ipa very delicious of course i picked up some dank meme but normally there's like a few other things in the mix that i'm like super excited about and they did like a lot of a lot of lagers and pulsers and i think it's probably just because it's summer and people want light beer but not yeah. me i want that strong shit all <laughs> year you want that strong hard shit 
I do. I want some bourbon barrel aged beer. I don't care if it's summer, 90 degrees. Hit me with a bourbon barrel aged stout. I don't care. I'm jonesing for it, man. It's so Dude. hard to find out here. Oh, you guys are like IPA country so hard that you can't even get like a barrel aged stout or a or barley wine or a scotch ale. Or... Definitely not a scotch ale or barley wine. There was oh, a no. barrel aged stout, I think, from one of the breweries I found that was pretty good. But yeah, it's tough. I, I bought I bought an oatmeal stout the other day. That was like pretty, it was, it was drinkable, but it wasn't like, it wasn't even like Schlafly, like Schlafly is like a pretty big brewery in St. Louis and like their, their oatmeal stout's very good. Yeah. It's really solid. Yeah. But like this one was just like, I don't know how to describe it. You know how like when you drink a beer and you can like feel or taste the carbonation more than the beer, that's what it was. Oh yeah. It was like a prickly beer. Like it didn't have enough flavor to overcome the carbonation. Weak it was sauce. Like fine, but not good. Weak sauce, dude. Super weak sauce. California needs to up their beer game. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love some IPAs, but I gotta have variety. Gotta have everything. Gotta have variety. Yeah. Variety is the spice of life. Now, it's always sunny here, so I get why IPAs are so popular, but. Yeah. I don't know. It gets cold at night in the winter. Yeah, Ish. I guess. Maybe. Well, maybe not much for much longer, but yeah, right. <laughs> let's hope. Let's hope for your sake that it does get cold there again. Speaking of hot, Japan was hot as fuck. Was it really? Well, I mean, you did go there in the middle of summer, so it was ninety nine degrees and like sixty eight percent humidity or something. Oh, so it was hot and humid. Yeah, and humid. And I was walking around like in a suit, uh, in a no, suit, in a, a suit, backpack. <laughs> not in a suit. You didn't have to wear a suit to all your fancy business meetings. You didn't like set your briefcase down and flip it open like and then like tap your papers together and say, let's get Um, started. I did wear pants and a button down with rolled up sleeves to my meeting with the Japanese company. Okay, I mean, that's that's pretty dressed up, probably a little bit warmer than you would have liked to dress in 99 degrees. Yeah, I would have preferred short sleeves, but I don't think I'd ever wear shorts Mm -hmm. to something. Could you wear a short sleeve pantsuit, like a jacket, but short sleeves, and also like uh. like pants? But like, picture a pinstriped pair of dress pants, but they're shorts, and a suit <laughs> jacket, but it's short sleeves. <laughs> so picture and you know, a tie, but maybe the tie is also kind of short. Where have I seen this before? I feel like you're dr- describing. Uh... Uh, what's his name from ACDC? The fellow. Oh, Brian Johnson. Is, is that who it is? Uh, I think the lead singer ACDC is that what yeah, I'm thinking he's the of? Yeah, lead singer, right? I don't know. Oh yeah. my god, I have three YouTube videos playing. My computer's probably about to crash. <laughs> Wait, you have a good computer. Oh yeah, I forgot. It's totally fine playing three <laughs> videos and talking to you at the same time. Uh, I I was thinking, what's the Brian Johnson name but... in the Adams family? Uh, oh, no, uh, he's got a long sleeve in all the pictures I'm finding. I thought he wore shorts. Maybe I'm wrong. Who am I thinking of? Short here. I got this. Pinstripe suit, shorts, short sleeve. Oh, God. Don't Google that unless you like men in brompers. Oh, God. I'm going to Google it. Pinstripe suit, shorts. <laughs> Man, this, is, this podcast is about off-road. I don't get any. 
I don't get any weird results at all. So I feel like your Google is probably more fucked up than mine. Yeah, probably. I get my wife's ads all the time. Like she doesn't have social media, so they don't know who to like advertise to. And so they all come to me. So I get like, like one ad will be like rough stuff, specialties, off-road parts. And the next one will be like Lulu in Georgia, decorative, you know, candles, whatever. Stuff like that. I totally know what you mean, because if you say it, your phone hears it and it's like and ads for you. Well, I mean, it's like I mean, my wife's like researching stuff, you know, going on the Internet and searching for these things. And so, like, we're on the same IP. So they're just like, of course, send them all to this person who actually looks at ads. Yeah, my Google now the other day was. Sorry, go ahead. I was saying my Google now was like telling me like things to do in Georgia. And I'm just like, I'm not going to Georgia, but my phone thinks I am because my wife is. Mm hmm. Yeah, because you got you probably got an email of like her itinerary, right? Or if you uh, did, yes, she did send me an itinerary. Yeah. That's me. not even an ad. That's something that you probably have like a setting selected for. Like, Shit, automatically I don't put know, my right? things on the calendar, trips on the calendar. I it was to the point where at my last job I was managing people, and when they would book trips, they'd show up on my calendar, and I was like, I got to change this. Like, yeah, that was annoying. That sounds terrible. That's way too many things on the calendar. I had to like unshare my wife's calendar because she has so many things every day. Being that she's a professor, I'm just like, I my calendar is just your shit. I was like, I, <laughs> I have like things in my calendar like once a week. I have to do one stupid thing, and yours is like seven things a day. I was like, delete, deleted, can't do it. Uh, yeah. So I was in China, Southeast China, Taiwan. China was as expected, very communist, lots of cameras, lots of. <clears throat> Signing your life away and giving your fingerprints and all that jazz, which what to like do. what to do? What you had to get your fingerprints to immigrate to in, to enter the country? To enter the country, you have to. Why would they care at all about that? I mean, every country does it. I've never been fingerprinted in any other country. You for sure have. Maybe not every single finger, but to come back to the U.S., you have to give your fingerprints. So, dude, yeah. I've been to so many countries that aren't the U.S., and I don't remember ever giving anyone my fingerprint. Actually, I don't think I don't think Japan. I did. And I don't think maybe Taiwan, I did not. But the U.S. for sure, when I came back, I have global entry. They made me fingerprint. That's weird. I just don't. I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe I did. I just don't remember doing that. That seems absurd to me. I'm like, I already gave you my freaking real ID and my passport, everything proving I'm me. It's like, what? why do you need a fingerprint? Like, there's no record of my fingerprints anywhere anyway. It's not like I've ever been arrested. No, I think it's so that like if you commit a crime, they can be like, we know who this is. We have. Oh, I guess that's true. I don't know. I, I, I don't think. know. Just seems weird. Anyway, you had to go through a health screening to get into China and one to leave, which was really interesting. I think they don't want people like leaving China with COVID and like giving them a bad reputation after, you know, the first round. I keep <laughs> wanting to say the word about the thing that we were saying, I but I don't want to say it. I'm not going to say it. They know. I'm, I'm going to say it. You're about to I'm going to say it. Sounds no, like, say it. Oh my God. It sounds like Kung Fu. <laughs> <laughs> that's all now, anyway. you, now you said it so i didn't say job. it i all didn't right. say it um only because it sounds funny not because i'm trying to be racist or something i was i'm gonna just move past that i was on eight planes <laughs> in seven days that so i'm not surprised that i fucking terrible. got sick because that's also let's see one two one two three four five six six airports one twice two twice i mean um yeah, that was a brutal trip. Um, but went to China. China was actually pretty cool. I was surprised at how scenic it was. 
Um, I think being on the coast, like they didn't have as much pollution. And also they have like a shit ton of EVs. Like the government was like, no more gas cars. Uh, we've got all the batteries. So like all the EVs come, you know, designed, made in China, stay in China, whatever. And there's like a ton of like car brands I've never seen or heard of that just have these EVs driving around. I'm like, that's kind of neat in a way. Like they did make change happen fast, but hmm. can also be used for bad. So um communism i mean it's the, the thing is these cars are probably all junk and they're probably they all gonna break all down junk. we were talking to the to the supplier and they're they're like there's two or three that are like pretty decent like because they just copied tesla and like other big evs and but then the other ones are just like junky junk but yeah that's so. kind of what i figured we're jury's out is what i say um i don't know enough about it to make a conclusion but it was interesting to see that um and then we went to taiwan polar opposite of china um because they're democracy and so like you come in they don't have any like visa they're a visa free country and they're just like yeah come do business with us so they're forced to be reckoned with considering their tiny little island country um but downtown taipei was like really really neat and i wish i had more time to explore it but it, we just didn't like we got this is in, in taiwan taipei yeah in taiwan okay just checking. Um, and got to ride on high speed rail which is cool um, nice i think we did 300 kilometers an hour wow which is pretty fast um but apparently there's a maglev train in china that does four or I, somebody said 450 kilometers an hour which i'm not sure i believe but um what is that in miles? American oh, heck, I don't know. Units, Are you doing the math right now? Yeah. 281 miles an hour. Fuck, that's fast. Um, But one of my, my coworkers said that he had ridden on it once, and he said it's, like, so scary because it, like, vibrates like a plane does at those speeds because oh, it's man. just, like, turbulent airflow. And it's normal, but, like, it just seems, like, super scary. Um, I feel like that's scarier on land. Like somehow, like being on, like you, you think like yeah, but you're grounded. But somehow that seems more scary than being in the sky. Yeah, and I think it's, it's planes not like, go like what six hundred miles an hour, like commercial airlines. Yeah, we went up. Uh, we went up to thirty nine thousand on the flight back. It was the flight back was cool because they had like it was a really new plane and it had really new like seat and technology. So, mm-hmm. um, you could like see all the telemetry or a lot of the telemetry. Um, so it had like land speed and airspeed, and the airspeed was like six something 640 maybe miles per yeah that's hour. what i mean like just thinking about going like you know on the upside of a thousand miles an hour that's just like kind of mind-boggling to think anything yeah. can travel that fast right yeah pretty nuts um but yeah so so i didn't go that fast but i see i think it was 250 or 300 let's see 250 is 150 miles an hour and then 300 would be 190. I don't think it was 190. I, it must have been 250. Regardless, very fast. fast. Was it, was it comfortable? Was it like that? It was not like very smooth. It wasn't at all. Super smooth. Okay. Yeah. Like, and, and we were, and they are fast and they slow down for the terminals. Um, when they're the, like the express train, they'll go through one lane or one, one track over with a dividing wall from the people, of course. But one, one train went through the terminal as we were, waiting for the train to go back and holy shit i understand why they call them bullet trains it was just like 
gun. I was like, oh my God, that was insane. Oh. I had it. I heard it coming and I was like fumbling to get my phone out to like try and take a video of it. And then it was gone. I was like, God damn it. That would have been so cool. Are the, uh, like I know in the U S like you take subways and shit. Like if you wanted to just walk out onto the track, you could like, obviously you shouldn't, but like, you know, it happens. Um, in Japan, I feel like they're way safer. So I'm assuming that when, or it's Asia in general, maybe I'm assuming they're like large gates that prevent you from like just accidentally walking out there and being like obliterated by a 300 mile an hour train or, uh, well the 300 mile an hour, I don't think it's going 300 when it goes through the station. Cause it's, it, they do slow down a little bit, but it still was probably going 120 or something um but it's it's you couldn't it's like another track over when it goes through oh i gotcha yeah so so you could step out on the tracks and then like get hit by a train going like 20 <laughs> as it's slowing down to come into the station i guess but that's like any subway yeah so um, i don't know i was just thinking about like what kind of safety precautions do you take when you have something traveling that fast like right I mean, past if- people yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things where it's like if somebody wants to do something to like kill themselves, then they're going to do it. Like they'll jump over the barrier. Um, yeah, yeah, I think obviously. Like, they have the like rumble strip or whatever near the edge. So, like don't stand on this, but just like train. I would say it's a lot like a train station in the U.S., except that there's middle tracks for the trains to blast through when they're on the express route. When you say a rumble strip, I picture a person walking in such a way that you hear a rumble. Like when you take your car like off the side of the interstate, you're like, you're like oh shit, I should wake up. But it you're like walking the there and it rumbles at you. The ground vibrates, yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> warning you that you're getting close to danger. Danger. Now recording. Um, <laughs> it's one of those nights. Um, so the Clearly, train Derek, cool. it's one of those nights. We haven't talked a bit about off-road yet. You're right. I'll get there. All right. So then went to Japan. First was in Osaka. It was so crazy to see all the K cars. There's like, I think Osaka is like tons of K cars. Um, and for those that don't know what a K car is, it's K E I is how it's spelled, but it's like a class of vehicle that's like basically like a motorcycle drivetrain with four wheels. And I don't think they're sold in the US because they definitely don't pass crash test safety. Because you're like, the doors are like, I think maybe an inch and a half thin on some oh of them. Oh my God. Um, it is man. the Japanese vehicle category for the smallest highway legal passenger cars with restricted dimensions and engine capacity. Yeah, the longest, yeah like you're saying, they're literally like a motorcycle boat with four wheels. Yeah, I think the longest they can be is 2.8 meters, which is nine feet long. Oh, oh my God, they're so tiny. They're so tiny. They all have like, 10 to 12 inch wheels and like I don't know the biggest tires probably like less than 20 inch in diameter the tire not the wheel um, over cool. one third of domestic new car sales yeah I wish they sold them in the US but but they're not also, safe enough they're definitely not safe enough and also like almost every single highway in Japan is way slower than highways here so like Dude, some of the roads over there are tiny too, though. Imagine trying to drive a full-size truck in some of those roads. You'd be taking up both lanes, hands down. So when we were in Hokkaido, I saw some GMT 400s. Ooh, my favorite. And they were left-hand drive. I was like, boo, I wanted to see a right-hand drive uh, GMT 400. That would be cool. For those that don't know, that's an 88 to 98 GM pickup truck. 
Um, the so best. Cool. But Hokkaido is like a more rural part of Japan. There's a lot of farming that goes on there. So I guess it makes sense. Um, I don't know what they were. They were parked, so I don't know. Didn't really get a good look at them. We just, we were just driving by in a taxi, and I was like, "Oh, interesting." Did, did they, they have those? Them? Did they have different taillights? I only saw the front, mm. and they didn't have the little uh, fender mirrors like most of the cars in Japan do. So I think they were imported, considering they were left-hand drive. Yeah, probably. So, so they were literally just U.S.-made trucks that were. I'm okay. sure of it. There was, yeah. There's nothing special about them. I mean, the gas is like super high octane there, so maybe, but I don't see why a 350 wouldn't run on like 97 octane or whatever. I mean, it would run just fine. It would just be a waste of octane because it doesn't yeah. need that. Or it's in yeah, it would... like 8.5 to 1 compression ratio or something. Yeah, right. Um, what else did I see that was cool? I saw a bunch of Nissan, not a bunch of Nissan. I saw a couple of Nissan patrols um, outfitted with their overlandy off road gear. And then. I saw, I saw. What's the newest series of Land Cruiser that's not out yet in the U.S.? Oh, I should know this, and I've seen it, but I just don't know. No, no. Oh, it's not out yet until 2024 anywhere. Then it was a 200, but it was like the GR. Is that are they doing GR for Land Cruisers now? I don't think so. Hold on. I don't think that Gazoo Racing is doing a Land Cruiser. It'd be kind of weird. Well, they are. What? According to the internet. Toyota's Land Cruiser GR Sport is the best possible version of itself. I don't care. But, all right. Well, I guess this isn't that special. But um, I did see one. Uh, hmm. Oh, you won't be able to buy one in the States. So it is kind of special. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Um, I don't know what's special about it. And I don't care too much. Hmm. it's lighter apparently it's like literally a better on-road driving car which is interesting i guess that makes sense if it's a gazoo racing what's funny is the the new land cruisers like look very not land cruisery but looking at the picture of this toyota land cruiser gr that you're referring to right now it looks very reminiscent of the previous generation land cruiser like it looks like probably luxurious probably smooth and Mm -hmm. the new one's trying to i feel like compete with like bronco and jeep yeah, I could see that. Because it's it's nothing like the old ones. Like the last generation Land Cruisers, like, hey, did you guys see our off-road heritage? We have like leather seats and a cooler in the center console, and you're never ever gonna take this off-road because it costs right. $120,000. And everyone's like, Yeah, I get hey. it that it's capable, but you don't buy that vehicle to do the thing that it's made for. But people buy Range Rovers all the time and or not like, in the US, they don't. Land Rover Discoveries and don't go off road. Well, okay, similar. Yeah, it's strange that these vehicles with a very strong off road heritage end up getting used as like one hundred percent on road grocery getters. Mm-hmm. That's unusual. Like, it's not what it's made for, but it is what it's made for because it progressed that way. Yeah. It was made to be really good off road, and then eventually it became no, no. This is for symbol. soccer practice and grocery stores only. Sorry, guys. Yeah, it's a status symbol that is also practical. So, of course, people adopted it that wanted to show off. <sighs> it's right? just so annoying. So, anyway, it seems so like Toyota's... Pickup, pickups did the same thing, right? I no, you're absolutely right. Like... A, new, a new pickup is just a car. It's it's irritating to me. Like, when I go to take the front end off my truck, and I'm like, oh, this is like a fucking car. I have to, like, 
remove all these body pieces and i'm like no this should be a bumper and the bumper is just the bumper and then the grills the grill it's like no no that's all integrated because it has to be a car even that new like it's gotten so much worse (laughs) it has gotten worse for sure but yeah yeah, even in 08 it was still like i mean yes it still has a bumper but it still feels very the body feels very car because everything like seams into each other yeah like it used to be sorry the bumpers are just their own thing and the body was its own thing and now like and eventually they started like kind of molding them together and then like eventually they start just becoming one right and that just makes it feel very much like a car at least appearance wise i mean part of it is probably aerodynamics i mean it does does help like your 08 gets way better fuel mileage than your 98 and way better than an 88 right so i mean i wouldn't say way i would say one to two miles per gallon better Wait, maybe how much how many miles per gallon do you get in your 08 i average about 15 on the highway no i can get like 18 19 on the highway that's pretty good but i don't think, I don't think there's been a G, gmt 800 in the world that can get 18 or 19 unless it's a like, gmt 400 as a matter of fact a truck 400, i own I mean, 400 i mean yeah the, when before the 91 the truck i'm quote ls swapping <laughs> that truck when Corey owned it we we took it somewhere one day. I wrote a long, long time ago when it was still stock. Me and him went somewhere together. And I remember being like, dude, can we like turn on the AC or roll down the windows? And he was like, nah, Mike, I'm trying to hyper mile. It's like, I can get 19 miles a gallon if we both don't use the AC and oh don't God. roll down the windows. And we did. We averaged 19 on like a highway trip in that truck. Okay, but you average 18 or 19 with AC going. AC and going, yeah. And, and like... And also yours is four-wheel drive. Like if you had a two-wheel drive GMT 900 that was lower, yeah, that's a good point. you would probably get in the low 20s on the highway. Yeah, not to mention I'm sure that my truck weighs quite a bit more than a standard cab long bed two-wheel drive GMT 400. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably at least a thousand pounds. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, I forgot why we got onto the side tangent, but we'll get back we to were talking about how off-road we were talking about the land cruiser i saw all the land cruisers mike i saw the 80 series i saw the <sighs> 70 series i saw the 60 series i didn't are see the 40 series are the 80 series the ones that we saw at the jamboree where they're that you could get them like in a truck version and they're like very good uh 70 series 70 you can series? still buy oh maybe that's what a- i'm thinking 80 of. series is what joe zump has oh that's no like- no no i was saying a 70 series yeah, yeah, yeah. 70 series. You can, I think you can yes. still buy them in South America and some other countries with like Dude. a newer drivetrain. The 70 like, series truck is so good. I think I talk about this way too often. I mean, I love it. I wish we could get it in the US because like it's super cool. Um, they definitely, they maybe they still sell those in Japan too. So maybe some of the 70 series I saw were new, but like you can buy newer Toyota Crowns, which is like the, the taxi. It's like a, I don't know. Crown Victoria. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember seeing right. the crowns over there. I got to ride in one when the taxis I took was a crown. That was fun. Um, and it was LPG converted or CNG, maybe. I'm not sure which. Um, <sighs> You're just so. reminding me that the crown recently came to the <laughs> came to the U.S. That's such a wrong statement. We I, have the Toyota Crown now. I also saw the new Toyota Crown in Japan it's, at a Toyota dealer. It's stupid. It has nothing to do with the Toyota Crown. It's just its own thing. It's like, yes, it has the same name, but it shares nothing else. Sure. But Toyota Crown is like, it used to be a car. And now I think it's like a trim level because I saw what is essentially an LS 600, a Lexus LS 600 with Toyota badges on it. But the front had the Crown logo, but they were all like taxis or like limousines. They weren't, they weren't extended 
length, but they're just a big car. So it's like a black black car service or whatever. I kept seeing them. So I guess that's what it is. I don't know. The, the crown is just some weird the hybrid crossover. I, I don't even know what it is. Like it's trying to be maybe a station wagon. I, I, I don't know. I, I've it's, seen it. I've driven one. I kind of hate it. The thing I hate most about it, wheel studs, not lug nuts, studs. Like a like a fucking BMW or something. Wheel bolts, like, what, you mean? Wheel, wheel bolts. That's sorry, oh, I was saying like, wrong term. Studs are normal. What are you talking about? No, no, no. Wheel bolts. Yeah, they're, oh, that's they're interesting. Bolts. Yeah, so it's in, it's annoying. I, that makes me hate it alone. Let let alone that it's ugly. I've I don't have a strong opinion on wheel studs versus bolts. Like all vehicles that I've ever owned have had studs, um, but I've been looking at. Volkswagen Golf R's to replace the Mazda, which is like a whole other side tangent that I won't go into because it's not off-road at all. Um, but that has, I think the Volkswagens have wheel bolts. It will be slightly irritating. Yeah, go ahead. It'll be slightly irritating for you as the owner if you're doing your own maintenance. But as a professional technician, okay, so I've taken the lug nuts off and the wheel just falls off the car. There, there's no option to like, oh, I'll just wait a minute and then I'll just like mm. pull it off once. No, they, the wheels I just see. fall off. It is a little annoying. Or you can use a special service tool to like thread <laughs> into one of them for each wheel to let it sit there and then re-thread it on and like move the wheel. Like just no, just no. It makes our jobs so much harder. Completely. I just don't know useless. what the, I actually no. I do know what the benefit is, and it's if it's if it's what I think it is, it saves Toyota. They can automate wheel assembly easier with wheel bolts because. It's really hard to feed a nut because it's like roughly the same diameter as it is long as it is wide. And so orienting it properly for like the automated equipment to come in and is very difficult. Whereas it, with a, a, a bolt, it's very long and it has like a feature on one side that's very obviously the, you know, the hex of the bolt. And so the machine just like has this like bolt shaped like silhouette, like when, you know, in the cartoons, like somebody bashes through a wall. And it's like, wee, look at me. It's got their hand and like their surprised face or whatever. Um, like the Kool-Aid man. Yeah. Uh, and so like it'll just feed the bolt in like that and then just broop, feed it straight into the the hub. I guess that's the reason. That's the only aren't, reason I can think of. Aren't studs just better though? Like, okay, if you had a vehicle that you were going to put a turbo on, what's the first modification you'd make to your engine? Head studs. Studs. But, and why but, is that, Derek? But, well, I'll tell you why. Because head stu- putting head studs on your engine doesn't necessarily mean that you're switching from bolts to studs. You could already have studs. You're just switching to better studs. No, typically you go from going from head bolts to head studs. And the oh, reason is, really? is the clamping force. I don't know how to explain it. You can explain it better than it. me, but I, I understand it. it. I just can't. Put it in I'll words. explain it. When you tighten a bolt, the whole bolt. So there's there's you're, when you're tightening any type of thread, you have to overcome the friction of the threads before any clamping happens. And like a good chunk of the torque that you apply is actually due to the friction, not actually the clamping force. And the clamping force is developed by literally stretching the bolt or stud. When you spin a bolt, you get a twisting action to overcome the the um uh, what am i trying to say um friction the friction and the like 
yeah, the friction of the threads and the friction of the like head or whatever your bolt is clamping down on. And then with the studs, you don't get as much um, twisting action. Otherwise, it would start threading the stud in. Um, and so the, the bolt itself actually twists and then it can relax. And so you get a less accurate uh, like clamp force reading because it can relax during vibration. It usually doesn't relax right away. Um, whereas a stud, it doesn't relax like that. And so you like you torque it to angle and that's it for life, basically. Um, mm-hmm. Unless you torqued it improperly. So um, also, I think... No, there's torque to yield bolts too. So I was going to say, I think studs are better for torque to yield, but I don't think that's an accurate statement. So never mind. Regardless, I think the moral of the story here is that studs versus bolts holding on a wheel, I feel like studs are stronger. I I feel like if there's one thing that you need to tighten on a car, it's the damn wheels. And using bolts just doesn't seem as good to me. I probably... I think it's, yeah. It must be irrelevant because obviously companies are doing it and they think it's fine. I'm like frantically trying to determine why on the internet. And that's not like, there's not a very obvious answer. So it's it's probably fine either way. I still hate it because it affects my work and anything that makes my job harder makes me mad. So Thank you, Toyota, for coming out with a car that for the first time ever has wheel bolts instead of studs just to infuriate all people that work for you. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'll, you're welcome, Mike, on behalf of Toyota and yeah, that, all of the German auto manufacturers. And if, it, and if it saved you some money and you're happy about it, I hope that you guys all shook hands and popped a bottle of champagne at how ingenious you are. I mean, as long, as long as Toyota keeps making vehicles, at least you keep having a job. That's true. Keep making good vehicles, or at least mm, try to relevant. make good vehicles. Just make good vehicles, please. But also, don't make them too good, because then you won't have a job. <sighs> the problem is, not, no, no, they used to be good. Now we're putting wheel bolts and turbos on cars, so that we can be like, I don't know, Volkswagen or BMW or whoever the fuck I'm makes terrible sure, cars. Like, I'm pretty sure if Toyota didn't uh, wheel bolts, I don't think matters, but I don't, if, if Toyota didn't start putting turbos on cars, they would not be a company in 10 years or less. I mean, I know that we need to because everybody needs to because of US EPA standards, but it sure is irritating when you're yeah, the guy it. that has to fix it. Mike, just be careful. You're turning into a crotchety old man. I'm not turning into a crotchety you're old resistant. man. The cars are getting worse. You're resistant to change. That's not even it. I like change. Mm-hmm. I like change when it's better. I don't like change when it's worse. Maybe why why aren't turbos better? You just told me about turbo and putting head studs and stuff. Isn't that sounds saying fun? that if you're gonna add a turbo, the reason that you do head studs is because you're more prone to failure, right? I know. Okay, so you add turbos to cars, you're more prone to failure. No, that's because when you add a, a turbo to a car that wasn't designed with a turbo, <laughs> I think that you're going tur- ham. You're making the car too complicated. You're adding, you know pressured places that even if you've designed it it's still more prone to failure i feel like anything with a turbo just is more prone to failure period there are that's more my opinion i could be wrong i think if you were to develop a naturally aspirated engine that got the same fuel mileage and horsepower and torque as a turbo engine which i don't know if is even possible 
dollar, definitely not dollar for dollar. It would be way more expensive. I think it would also be very unreliable. I think it'd be like a 12.8 to one compression, like super direct injected with 16 fuel uh, injectors and 32 spark plugs and blah, blah, blah. The thing that gets me is that the cars were very reliable and not direct injected. And the fuel mileage gains, I feel like, are minimal, but the cars are now direct injected. Now, granted, Toyota uses a mixture of direct and port because obviously you have to clean the valves somehow. And direct. No, no, no. Yeah, Toyota does it because direct injection cars just don't. And so. That's an issue, right? And that makes the car less reliable. Turbos add pressure in places that... But Toyota added complexity to make them more reliable. They did add complexity to make it more reliable, but they added complexity. But it's more reliable. It's also more complex, so it's more prone to failure. The exact... So Mazda is direct injected, and the really common failure mode, which may be why I'm having EGR issues still is like carbon buildup. Oh my gosh, carbon buildup. Oh my God, it's direct injected only? I can't believe it. But it also makes 270 horsepower and 270 foot or 290 foot pounds of torque or something. Yeah, direct injection is great as long as you constantly do like fuel injection cleanings and intake cleanings and everything else. Like as long as you do all this preventative maintenance, do you do that stuff? No, it went 170,000 miles before I had that issue. (laughs) So. I can't believe you made it that long. I, I thought with direct injected cars, like in the, uh, what do you call it? In the maintenance schedule, it was like every X amount of miles you need to do like an intake cleaning. I should have done seafoam more often, I think. But Yeah, basically seafoam is what I'm talking about. I mean, we do something oh. different, but essentially, and- yes, you spray something into the intake to like yeah. do what a port injector would do. Basically, yeah, I guess so. Cleans well, anyway, up. Um, are, you done it? are you done with your soapbox? <sighs> yeah. All right, back to Toyota Land Cruisers. So I saw, <laughs> I saw what? The 200 series we talked about earlier, 80, 70, 60. Um, one of the 80 series is like on 35s or 37s, and it looked pretty dope. It had the like, I think this is a Japanese requirement for like the road, but it had like the bumper, and then it had what looked like um, the like rub rub rails around the fenders, but they were flares. And they like stuck out like all the way. I think the tires have to be fully covered in Japan. Okay. Um, and like maybe like, cause I follow a guy on Instagram who is like very Japanese. I can't understand any of his posts, but I see him like rock crawling his Jeep and he has removable fenders that he puts on it um, to drive it on the street. Um, so I think it's a requirement anyway. So I saw this 80 series with big tires driving by. That was neat. Um, a bunch of Prados, which I think are 90 series, and then they like switch to like not part of the Land Cruiser series when the 100 mm. series came out. The 100 series is like an LX570 Lexus or that same generation Toyota. Wait, is there any such thing as a 90 series? I googled it. I don't know. It I don't think it, it seems like there's not, but the, is you're saying the 100 series is the, the newest one before this weird one that isn't quite out yet? Uh, no, no, no. The newest one is the 200 series. I mean, what's the one that say came out in 2020? Uh, I don't know them by series. Like for me, I'm like, this is just the, right. this year Look, Land Cruiser, like as a technician. Series Land Cruiser is, uh, hold on years. I'll just search years. All the Toyota guys are yelling at me right now. I know. Right. 98 to 2007 is the hundred series. 
200 series is 2007 to present. Oh, okay. Hold on. You said 200 series is 2007 to present. Yes. 200. Yes. Okay. That's what I was thinking of. And they've yeah. done, I guess, a couple facelifts to it. but Yeah, but still. Same basic car, more or less. Um, that's the one I think about when I think about like ultimate luxury, but somehow still trying to be an off-road vehicle. Yeah, it's totally. Like, it's also interesting that the Land Cruiser is like more uh like higher status than the Lexus version to me. Oh yeah, like the LX570 versus Land Cruiser. Like in literally every other car, the Lexus version is more expensive mm-hmm. and like a better car, right? Like the GS was better than the Audi. I mean, let's There's step back cars. a second. I'm sure that the LX570 is more expensive than the Land Cruiser. It probably is, but it seems but, like the Land Cruiser is. It, let's put it this way: you can spec out a Land Cruiser pretty much the same as an LX or a Lexus. I mean, they're essentially the same vehicle. Yeah, but like it's, a GX five or a GX four seventy is more or less the same as a Forerunner, and the GX four seventy yeah. is like a little bit longer and taller, and has a way nicer interior and a third row. Yeah, the body is significantly different, even though the chassis and like the yeah. powertrain is essentially the same. But like the Land Cruiser and the LX are like the same body doors, like different grill, different headlights, different taillights. But that's yeah, they really it. are just the same. Yeah. So anyway, well, that's the thing though. That's that's in your mind that the Land Cruiser is like more prestigious or more luxurious because, as a society, we have just decided the Land Cruiser is this luxury SUV. When in reality, it's just has like this grassroots of being an off-road vehicle. So it's right. weird to think that when we think Land Cruiser, we think, oh, it's just some ultra-rich soccer mom like picking up her groceries in a hundred thousand-dollar SUV. When we should be saying, no, she should be driving the LX. And the land cruiser should be for the guys that want to go off road. Right. And honestly, like it probably is that a little bit. Like the people who buy land cruisers buy them because they have intentions to go off road. And the people that buy Lexus sure as fuck don't, right? <laughs> sure as um, fuck don't. <laughs> but it is way fewer than used to be. Um, yeah, so yeah. I also saw, okay, 90 series, I think, is not a full size land cruiser. It's like the Prado. Um, so whatever you want to call that, which eventually turned into like what the Lexus GX. <laughs> is so like a smaller version of um and then i saw some nissan patrols i think i said that and then the jeep jk's they have weird bumpers again i think because like you can't have the gap between the bumper and the flare like we do in the u.s which actually kind of makes more sense so you're saying that a japanese market jk has a weird bumper thing going on here i'll send you a Send it in. Uh, oh, oh, the bumper like fully. Yeah. Like it that like comes up into it. It also seems like it's a little bit deeper, which I didn't really notice when I was there. So maybe they have like different crash safety rules for vehicles over a certain height or weight or both. Um, Is that yeah. just an extra plastic piece that like slaps on the back of the bumper and then hooks into the flare? Maybe, but it looks like it's de- it might have like a different support behind it too, like a crumple zone or something. Yeah, that's Maybe interesting. I see exactly what you mean. I'm like looking yeah. at two side by side to see the difference, and it's weird. Highly that... recommend people look at it. It is very strange. It but... kind of flows yeah. nice, though, if I'm being honest. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, I, I think the part that doesn't look good to me is how far it sticks out, but I like the way it's tied into the flares. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it looks kind of nice. I mean, I hate Jeeps. Let's just be clear. I really do. But but I think yeah. that this looks kind of nice. Let's not get the wrong idea, people. Like, Mike and I both hate Jeeps. Sorry, Yeah, Jeeper. they're just the worst. And if you own one, you're dumb. I'm just kidding. I can't say that on this podcast. We lose like half our listeners. No, we probably lose like 75% of our listeners. Yeah, probably. They all drive Jeeps. Everybody drives Jeeps. I wish I could find the guy's name of the rock crawling Jeep. The, uh, the guy that's in Japan. If I find it, I'll post it on the Trail Riders page. And I know I say that all the time, but I'll actually do it this time. Mm. Yeah, um, we never post anything. I don't we know just how talk to start for people like if you don't know their name. Imagine living in the '90s and not even knowing like your friend's phone number. Uh, there was no internet. You're like, man, what's my friend's number? Did I memorize it? I didn't write it down on a post-it note. Like, I guess I, I have to walk to their house. My- did I write it down on my phone book or address or what do you call it? Pocketbook. Do you think anyone that listens to this podcast remembers that? Or do you think everybody's like, no, I just put it's, it in my phone. It's like, what like, phone? We didn't have like phones. 10 or 15% of people that are our age or older, I think. Sometimes you would walk to your friend's house and knock on their door to see if they could come out and play. Right. I did that a lot. Yeah. I had to ride days. my bike places because we had a, like, every house was really spread out in my neighborhood growing up. So that was annoying. Man, he, I just still remember the feeling like riding your bike to your friend's house. Say they were like, I remember like friends live like a couple miles away. Yeah. You ride all the way there and knock and like, oh, no, they're not home. They're out doing that. You're like, no. Like, and there's what? no way you can get a hold of them. You can't be like, yeah. hey, where are you at, bro? It's like, nope, they're not here. You can't find them. They're we somewhere were, in the city. We were so much less efficient. Oh, man. Yeah. It, it was so less efficient. I would say if I was going to a friend's house that was two or three miles away, I probably would call before like call the landline and almost certainly the parents would answer and you'd be yep. like johnny home can he play and they'd be like no, johnny's at summer camp and you'd be like okay <laughs> and then Damn. you wouldn't write over but if nobody answered you'd be like i guess if it's really important to me roll the dice i rolled the dice many a time we were in such good shape when we were kids Oh my god! I gained like twenty pounds when I got a car. <laughs> yeah, right. Can you imagine if we had to still ride our bikes places to like see if we could do a thing? Dude, I weighed one hundred and twenty-five pounds when I BMXed every day. I was the same height I am now, one hundred and twenty. I was skin and bones, dude. Or stick, dude. That I mean, all I did was ride my bike. Right. I could eat fast food three meals a day. We sh- we were going to talk about off-road stuff. I think um, <laughs> real quick. We- I was like, oh man, I'm in Japan, like the JDM center of the world, obviously, because pandemic, but you know what I mean? Like that style of cartooning. So I Googled it and I was like, oh man, there's like these cool like rest stops where people will just show up on Friday and Saturday nights and like have like an impromptu car meet with their awesome, sweet cars. And one of them read it was clearly like, you can't get here by foot. Don't try. You can take a taxi if you want. And I Googled, like, I tried to figure out how much a taxi would cost. And it was going to be like 110 bucks each way. So oh my like, God. Nah, probably not. They're like, or you can rent a car and you have to have an international driver's permit to rent a car as an American in Japan, um, which I didn't get before I le- left, which it's super easy to get. I just didn't think about it. Damn. Um, so that's a bummer. But the next time I go back, I'll know better. Then I went to the other one because I didn't read down Reddit far enough. Spoiler alert. Um, spent an hour and a half commuting there by train bus uh, and then got there and realized I also couldn't walk into that one. But there was a footbridge. So that was I could like peer into it like a creeper. Um, and I saw like a JDM like A86, like the initial D drift car with the black and white paint and everything. 
There was like an NSX with like the craziest wing I've ever seen. I think I saw an RX-7. What else did I see? It was so far away that like I tried taking pictures with my cam- my phone camera and it was like just blurry. Oh, so, like, that sucks. Like, like squinting. There's literally um, no way for you to get there. I mean, I could have hopped the fence, but like I would like to go back to Japan again. And I feel like if I get arrested as a tourist in Japan. I'm Hop like, what fence? You weren't allowed to be in that area? Yeah, the fence to get into the. So it's a toll road. So like they don't want people like going in, I guess. I don't know. But I'm yeah, just like, saying even, that I even like figured out I'm like, how do people work there? There's like a gated parking lot that you have to like have a code for. The gate opens, you drive in, park, and then there's another gate to get into the like area where the rest stop is to like sell food or whatever. And like nobody came out or into the, into that gate while I was there. So was well, what like, I'm saying is, so it's a rest stop. You're saying it's just like a rest stop on the highway? Yeah, in like the middle of a city. So like it's fenced off so that there aren't like, I guess hooligans like me. That's weird that it's fenced off because I think about a rest stop like on our highway. I'm like, yeah, it would be hard to get there on foot because you'd have to walk a long time. But it's there's no reason that a person can't just go to a rest stop. No, it's it's different. I don't know how to describe it, but um, it's like if you were on 294, you you know, the Oasis in Chicago. Yeah, it's kind of like that. And those are I mean, those aren't quite as fenced off. I mean, it would be hard to get to one of those because you'd have to cross several lanes of very fast traffic on foot and it'd be dangerous as shit. Highways were like 70 feet above me or more. And then there was just like one cloverleaf going down into this place and then one cloverleaf going back up. I get it. You would need a car to get there, period. You need a car to get there, period. Um, Or there was a fence that was like 10 or 12 feet, which I physically probably could have climbed over, but... There was also like the highway patrol police were located at this one. So I was like, this is not, not a good idea. <laughs> some guy on Reddit was like, yeah, I definitely hopped the fence and like, you know, paid somebody like the equivalent of 30 bucks to drive me back to wherever they were going. So I could take a train. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not unwilling to do that, but I just really don't want to get arrested in Japan. So I didn't do that. Um, but what I did do that night was go to um, Akihabara, which is like, a suburb of Tokyo, which is it was like 30, 40 minutes train ride from my hotel. Um, and it's it used to be like where people would just like store their really expensive cars. I saw like I saw, I saw some cool cars. This is where I saw that 200 series Land Cruiser GR. Um, I saw an R34 Skyline, an R34 Skyline with a wide body kit and like the craziest, like, like this is like a $250,000 Skyline. If I, from what I could tell, like full mod like stage four or whatever you want to call it like parked of course um and just a whole bunch of cool shit but apparently they used to have like car meets in this parking garage and now the like security cracked down so now it's just like people who are rich park their cars there and like leave them there so anyway Weird. I, did, I was able to sneak into that that one that one wasn't hard they just had a staircase <laughs> mm-hmm. so japan was cool i saw a lot of awesome shit um but yeah i guess we should talk about off-road now that we're like i don't know an hour into this are we an hour into it is there any way to tell uh we started recording at 6 20 so we're 55 minutes in man i guess we could talk about off-road or maybe we should have saved that for the patreon just like full bullshit main and then patreon full off-road that's <laughs> happened before it has. it has happened before we could tease people we could be like hey if you join the patreon you get to hear us talk about this if you listen to the Patreon, you'll get to listen to how to make a living off playing Dungeons and Dragons. 
<laughs> that was not what we were going to talk about, but I like the audible. <laughs> Just saying. I, I heard something crazy the other day, but I'm going to save it for the Patreon because we have not talked about off-road. All right. Except let's talk for about the tiniest place. bit. Like we mentioned the word Land Cruiser. I feel like that's the closest we got to off-road. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, if only well, Steve okay, had I, come. Steve said he heard from a guy a bunch of ideas, and I was like, that sounds great, Steve. Well, Steve's busy, so... Steve's busy. Right now we're going to talk about types of off-roading that aren't common in the U.S., but are super interesting. Dude, um, this, I think it's the first video you sent me. I'm watching an 8x8 off-road truck trial, and... I'm damn near at the end of the video, but I pause it because it looks like he's about to roll this thing. I'm actually going right. to play it right now. It's so watch, it's we'll do Mike's reaction live. It's sketchy. Like I mean, he's he's just kind of sliding sideways downhill, trying to like get this thing back. Oh oh god! Oh, it's getting it's light. I think I think the video is over. The video went over before he tipped it. It's over. I fin- officially we'll finished never the video. Know. Yeah, we'll never know if he flipped it or not. All right, so if if for those interested in like following along, um, we just are talking about like European truck trials, which apparently is like I don't know a class I guess of off roading where they take like like Tatras and other like I guess military and heavy duty trucks, heavy duty off road trucks that are like full eight by eights, like. Some of them are IFS, some of them are solid axle. Kind of doesn't matter because they don't have much articulation anyway, unless you count frame articulation. But they've like stripped them down, just a cab with like a huge exo cage on it, and like souped up the motors because they're all have like I don't know, I don't know if they're two strokes or what, but they're all diesels. And like these people are just taking these things on terrain that I guess kind of they were designed for, but like way more extreme, like stuff you'd take a jeep on. But like, like the shit when you're in the military and like you just have to cross this train, like that's the shit. Yeah, like a Hemet would do pretty well in this competition, I guess, if you stripped it down, or maybe not, because a Hemet has like a pretty big overhang in the front. But whatever, Um, it's an eight by eight or a ten by ten, depending on the spec, right? So, um, it's nuts. They're just it's the people that drive these things are insane, and they like. They rock crawl with them. They mud bog them. They like drive down these hills that like think they're going to flip, but like the engine and like the whole drivetrain is like at wheel height. So like they're fairly stable. Like I bet they could traverse a 45 degree side hill, no problem. Um, yeah, they're all just like stripped down, like designed for this competition. So they're as light as they can be, but I think they're still like 16 or 18,000 pounds. Um, so like just, just two of my trucks. Literally, if you took two of my trucks, it would be an eight by eight and just front to back, boom, done. That's true. Sixteen thousand pounds. <laughs> they they just look so crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's nuts. I, I don't know what size tires these things have, but I mean they're on like Rockwells or whatever the equivalent of a Rockwell is for them. Yeah, like Tatra's a Czech company. I think most of theirs are independent suspension, but they've got like a transfer case at like each like axle is all the ones i'm watching right now are all solid axle oh really all right i'm watching you i think this is the one you sent me the eight by eight off-road truck trial in uh somewhere in france oh yeah yeah um yeah they might okay they might be then so that one's in no that's in milovice that's in czech republic 
Oh, I, hell, I don't know. The one I'm watching is in Montelieu Verso. Oh, that's Verso. Okay. Yeah, those are solid. You're right. Four solid axles. Wait, are they? They are. Okay, the man is. I feel like all the ones I've seen have been. There's only one. Is there only one in this video that I sent you? No, there's just a couple trucks doing this thing. Oh, the Mercedes act. Yeah, exactly. Maybe there's only two. <laughs> there might only be two. Um, but that that one's a good video. You can like follow along on all kinds of terrain. The second one I sent is in Czech Republic. They're even leaf like, sprung. It's a solid oh, axle yeah. and leaf sprung, and they're doing all this, which just oh, yeah. you know should boast boost our confidence in that we run leaf sprung trucks. Yeah, um, so that's super cool. Um, I I found that when I was like in college, and I I used to binge on these YouTube videos, and I probably should start binging them again because they're pretty fun. Um, but it's at one point I think I had gotten through all of them, <laughs> like I. I would search for truck trials and I couldn't find new ones. Now these are new because this is from 2023. So obviously there's new videos, but um, yeah, I love it. It's so insane. It's like taking a vehicle that was clearly, I mean, I won't say it wasn't, it wasn't designed for it, but it really wasn't designed for this and just like doing banana shit, but it's kind of like snow runner in real life. Our trucks weren't designed for the shit we do with them. That's true. They were designed to like go pick up a load of lumber or bricks or mulch and maybe take you to work. And instead we're like, nah, we're going to make purpose built off-road rock crawlers out of these pickup trucks. I don't know, man. You remember the Bob Seger, like Chevy Dooley commercials from the nineties where they like dropped 20,000 pounds into the, bed oh, of the truck. hell yeah. And Those GT 400s were doing some work. They were like bombing around a uh, construction, construction site. Construction site. Deep ruts and bouncing off of the ground yes. by like two feet, and they're just oh my like, "It's God. fine." <laughs> it was the best. They kind of designed them for that. <laughs> Never mind. They're just made for that. All the shit we do with our trucks is exactly what they're made for. That's right. Um. So that's a cool one. There's also Formula Off Road, which I think has been around for a long time, and probably I would say is the like predecessor to rock bouncing it's, yeah formula off-road is isn't it just like mud shit no i think it's climbing more, shit yeah it's more dirt it, it's hill climbing right but it's oh it's, my god air quote vehicles i would use that term loosely they're more like purpose-built tube chassis with like alcohol v8s making a ton of power solid axles and paddle tires and they like climb the steepest hill ever and not really rock not super no, rocky they're usually yeah, like, they're, oh my god the video i'm watching right now is these guys launching these vehicles uphill and like rolling several times down like yeah it's insane yeah, the goal is to make it up the course which is sometimes just straight up the hill what however you want if it's really hard or sometimes it's like you have to go through cones and like traverse the hill sideways somewhat. And then like if you fuck up, you roll down the whole hill and like this hill is, I don't know, what, like a 50 degree angle, 60 degree angle. They're almost vertical at some points. It is almost vertical because these guys are, are literally hitting these, this hill and like becoming airborne and like rolling back down. And so, yeah, it's very similar to rock bouncing in that respect. 
but yeah. different because these but, things have like paddle tires and right they're not they're not the terrain is soft yeah yeah that's the big difference um but they have tons of power and otherwise very similar to rock bouncing in the you know big tires big axles big power um it's pretty nuts um i think that's more of a like scandinavian origins i'm sure oh they do it elsewhere but this one literally says off-road iceland so um yeah i think that's pretty cool too i kind of just want to share this video right now to the trailers page but i'm afraid that it'll be out of context because this podcast might not release for a day or two Oh, it might not release until next week. It is Wednesday the 9th right now for those who care about podcast time. Um, I don't know. Kyle said, Kyle will probably edit it tomorrow. And yeah, well, whatever. You can post it and just be like, thoughts? <laughs> or whatever. I anyway, could do um, that. There's also two types of expedition, which... I want to talk about which is like there's overlanding and then there's expeditioning and like overlanding's fine i love it I, i'm happy that people get to explore the land but expedition is like I, I would define it as a more extreme version like you're gonna go out and be in nature for weeks without replenishing water without replenishing food without cell signal like you have to be self-sufficient and that's like a very extreme version of it. Um, and I think I've seen it in, you know, Australia, going back to land cruisers, there's like modified land cruisers that they have like six by sixes because they've added so much like crap to their car to survive. Like they call them like trays, but they're like flatbeds. And like they're just fully outfitted with like everything they need to like cross the deep water crossing and like, you know, I don't know, food, water, tents, trailers sometimes. Yeah. Communication devices in case shit does hit the fan. Like they're like the original I feel like they're the predecessors to like the modern day overlander. For sure. It's not fast. It's not like extreme in the, you know, terrain, but like they've got to be able to like self-recover themselves in like soft sand. So they like are capable of like either using a land anchor or burying a spare and using their winch or whatever. So I, I thought that's, that's pretty cool. It's not quite as like shocking to, to watch, but it's an interesting style of off-road that, you know, doesn't really, you can, you can like actively spend that much time off-road in the U S if you like plan out your route, but Australia is just so like barren. I think it's just, you have to you just to turn off the road and then you're there. And yeah, then you, you just, just keep right, going. And yeah. Go in that direction, and you won't see anybody for like 300 miles or more. That sounds insane to me. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. I don't and know if I could ever be prepared enough for something like that. I don't either. And I like to think that I'm pretty fucking prepared, but I don't think you just like start at like, you know, three or four weeks off grid. I think you kind of work your way up to it and you learn and you start with a week and you always have a backup plan to like duck out early and then. I'm just glad that there are people who have jobs that will allow them to just take a month and just like go hang out in the woods and then like come back and somehow still exist. It's a dream, isn't it? It does sound pretty nice. I mean, you know, most of us have jobs we have to go to. So it'd be nice to have one where you didn't have to go to it. And nowadays you could, I think the reason why overland, modern day overlanding is more common is because there are jobs that like 
back in the day, it would it was like, oh, if only I had internet, I could do my job in the woods. And now with like Starlink, you can. So I think that is a good point. Do that. Yeah, wouldn't it be nice to do your job like from your campsite? I mean, it might be a little distracting when you really just want to go like fishing or hiking, but instead you have to do your job. But you're also in the woods by yourself. And so maybe that's like a bonus. I don't know. If you're bookending like a week camping with two weekends of activities and like still working eight hours from a campsite, I don't think I'd be as distracted. Like if I did a bunch of shit Saturday and Sunday, and even at night, like you're doing some stuff, cooking and stuff, like I feel like I could focus on work for the most part. Maybe I need to get a Starlink. Maybe. Because <laughs> I can kind of do my job remotely if I plan. Um, anyway. And then... Wait, Mike, thoughts? Oh, you gave me your thoughts. You're like, isn't it nice to do like Yeah, those are basically my thoughts. Is It sounds right. great if you somehow have a career or lifestyle that allows you to do so. Yeah. This next one, I think sometimes people's jobs require it. Um, and it's like Icelandic or maybe Alaskan, like, you know, Arctic circle expedition vehicles that have the like 50 plus inch tires that are super wide and they are down to like one and a half PSI. And they're like, I don't know, anywhere from like a Toyota Hilux or Tacoma to like an Econoline van or like an express van, um, that just, they're designed to like float over the, the, um, snow or ice or whatever are you talking Um, about them chonky boy tires chonky boy tires them truxus st wait what are they sts sts's them marshmallows marshmallow tires marshmallows um i think that's cool um that's even scarier i think because frostbite's a real thing at least heat stroke like takes a second to set in and you can maybe get out of it but being in the cold when it's really cold sometimes you have minutes um and you're like relying on that vehicle to kind of keep you alive so like it's in- it's interesting both both the australian and the icelandic like you're kind of relying on the vehicle to keep you alive um but uh i do feel you like you better be little- the guy to put that vehicle together and you better it's- know what the fuck you're doing or it better be like the most reputable company in the world there are That's actually the thing, though. If you're depending on your vehicle to keep you alive, then don't you want to be like a master of building and or maintaining said vehicle and you did it yourself to make sure that like you're cool? I guess. But like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, for me, yes. The answer is yes. But like, if you're like a marine biologist that needs to go and like look at a seal that's been frozen in ice for like 280 years or something. I don't know. I'm making up this hypothetical, um, but you have to go into the Arctic circle to do it. Like you're not going to learn first how to build and repair one of those vehicles. You're going to hire somebody to drive that vehicle for you. Okay. I, Oh wait. So you're saying the person that drives the vehicle knows how to repair it. Yeah, I would expect so. Yeah. Because I'm thinking like, would we say that an astronaut needs to be a spaceship mechanic? And I would say absolutely yes. yes. Because you. you are the only person that can fix it or you die. Correct. So yeah, those people, sh- if 
if they're a marine biologist and they're going by themselves, they absolutely need to be an oh, yeah. expert mechanic for whatever that truck is. But if you're doing like these type of excursion for work, I don't think you're going by yourself though. And actually most of these vehicles that I see are like at least four door. Some of them are like six door or vans that have more rows. You got to have the videographer, the expert, the driver, the mechanic, <laughs> the you got to have the fluffer. Oh, the sorry. Fluffer this is the bad. Patreon. Sorry. Sorry. My oh, bad. My bad. <laughs> um, and then I thought of one while we were talking uh, that we didn't really cut, like pre brainstorm, but I think, I think as an honorable mention is rally. That's mostly off road. Rally. Um, yeah. Like rally championship. I mean, it, it's a little bit in the U S I guess, but it's, way more common i think in like europe um, rally is insane it's so insane because it's just like a car like yeah it has like some shocks on it but okay. like it's just a car that somehow is like doing a lot of jumping and i don't know like the whole thing just kind of even with our okay so there are rc rally cars and i never know what that's appropriate for because you have your on-road cars right you drive them on the you drive in the parking lot yeah you your off-road cars you do whatever you want jump it it, it it flies, it goes in dirt, grass, everything. And then you have these rally cars and you're like, well, this is basically an on-road car with some longer shocks. What am I, as the user, going to do with this car? Sounds like a dirt trick car. Like a but the H- thing is, they're jumping these things. Like, these cars are getting air like a freaking Baja truck and, like, landing sideways at 70 miles an hour and then somehow, like, pulling off that perfect hairpin turn. And that's the shit where I'm like, what is even happening? A lot of the time with the pro drivers, but like there's also the times where they land land 70 degrees and slide into a tree and roll 30 million times. So yeah, yeah, exactly (laughs) that. That's what I mean when I say the rally is insane. Is it just the the maneuvers these guys pull off? It's like you're using a vehicle that shouldn't be doing this. And when you make it work, you're very lucky. I think that's true of all of these types of off-road that we've mentioned and and the off-roading that we do in the US and rock crawling, mud bogging, whatever you want. Like it's it's all the same. Like you're using the vehicle in a way that it was never designed to, but you changed it to do that. Um or okay. designed it to. Like, right. Some of these rally cars are like Formula 1 where they're like basically a space frame chassis with like all the shit and just like oh it has an engine but it's not the same as the road going engine by any means. It has a body, but it's the same as the road. It kind of looks like it, you know? Um, but yeah, it's insane. I mean, rally drivers are insane. Like I've watched in cab footage of these cars and I'm like, I can't even like focus on anything. It's all going by so fast. Your brain like, doesn't process the information as fast as they're doing it. I used to play rally games and I don't, I mean like, when you're playing a video game, you're not scared of dying. So you mm-hmm. like go crazy. And like, those were the hardest racing game to like the realistic rally ones. Like, Oh yeah, I agree Forza, completely. At least the original or not Forza, um, dirt. Colin McRae's. Oh my God. Race. Yes. Rally was, was so hard in dirt. Such a hard game, but I feel like it was pretty realistic and it's not an easy sport. Um, but it's just insane to take a car with like 27 inch tires and just like, or 25 or whatever size they are. It doesn't matter. And just go over pretty much any terrain. Cause you have the speed as long as it's not like deep mud, but they will go through like deep water crossing. It's honestly like Baja is cool. 
but Jesus Christ, Rally is like insane version of Baja because it's that's like, what I'm saying. It's because those Baja trucks are designed to do that. Like they have like fuck, I don't know, like two feet of suspension travel or something stupid like that. And like, yeah, they can like launch, they can land, they can go over like all these bumps and like the body stays perfectly level. But a rally car, you're just like on the brink of like not existing at all times. I would say the big difference between Baja and rally is that Baja is like not groomed at all. And I think, I don't know that rally is necessarily groomed, but like you couldn't take a rally car on a Baja course no first jump you would just blow everything apart you don't have enough suspension travel but it is crazy that they'll get like 10 feet of air on like two or three inches of or five inches of up travel or whatever and land and not have a broken back and somehow not hit the spectators who are six inches from your bumper as you land oh yeah honorable mention goes to rally spectators who like will just (laughs) jump out into the middle of the track take a picture and then run back like milliseconds before getting hit by the car just to get the yeah. perfect <laughs> and rally drivers who have to deal with that the entire race and they're just like well I'm just going to go balls to the wall the whole time if you're in my way I guess you die I, yeah I'm not really sure what happens when somebody gets hit by a rally car hopefully it doesn't happen I mean they often. definitely die immediately but I'm just saying like sure. it's not the driver's fault they're just on a race course right right um that is an unfortunate death is what that is. I'd be interested to hear what the uh, listeners have that we didn't list. Um, I mean, if it's super common in the U.S., then that's that's why we didn't list it. So like rock crawling and crawling competitions and rock bouncing and so on and so forth. Like all those are very extreme, but yeah, we're in the U.S. They're not, they're not. They're not new to us, so surprise us, please. Show us the new off-roading that we've never even heard of or forgot about on the Trail Reddit page, please. You should do that. Also, me and Derek are going to build a rally car, and we'll see you at the rally course. We're each going to build, build one half, and it's, oh. not like, and it's not like Mike's going to build the chassis and I'm going to build the engine or whatever. Like He's going to build half of it, including half of the engine, and I'll build half of the engine, and then we'll just glue it together. Apparently, we're building a Subaru so we can have like opposing cylinder heads. <laughs> I don't know who's going to build half of the block or how that's going to work, but I think we just have to cut a block in half, and whoever cuts it in half ships the other half to the other person. And we'll just, we'll glue, just it glue it together. back together. <laughs> or we can use some block studs. Or exactly. Bolts. We'll just use some studs and some nuts, and we'll put it back together, and it'll be a okay. Be all good. Even with the turb skis. Even with the turb skis. Actually, I think the turb ski gets cut in half, too. It's single. Wow. Yeah, you imagine cutting would... a complete turbo in half, gluing it back together, and hoping it'll work. You'd have to be really, 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 really careful. I mean, and more balance. solves all, less research, Derek. It's fine. All right. Yeah, the more you think about it, the less careful you'll be. <laughs> so, just cut. Don't think about it. All right. <clears throat> Shout out to our partners. Are you gonna say them? I I actually I have I had I put a I made a list because Did I you? feel like I made a list be, be, because yeah well I always fire sale the partners and I feel kind of bad about it but usually by the time we get here we've we've been talking for a while and I'm like we need to get this done. Gotcha. Um. So you're you're welcome to do it. I know. I think you should fire sale because. Uh, we have been talking for a long time and yeah, 
Go. In alphabetical order, complete off-road for everything off-road that you could possibly need. Crawler off-road if you ever need recovery, which you're gonna, because let's be honest, everybody gets stuck sometimes. More flight for your inflation and deflation devices. Off-road anonymous for fabrication and fun parts. Rad designs if you want to get shifty and summer shine supply when you want to get shiny. Nice. I have actually some last words. Please. If you haven't gotten stuck before, try harder. (laughs) (laughs) You are not off-roading hard enough if you haven't got stuck. You don't need to get stuck in mud. You can get stuck on a rock. You can get stuck in some sand. You can get stuck in a creek. You can get stuck anywhere. Just go out and get stuck. I also don't mean like be an idiot and just go out and get stuck to get stuck. Or you can do that. But the reason why I'm saying it is like either try something hard or maybe do get stuck on purpose so that you can practice recovery techniques. I think it's a good idea. Wait, you're saying get stuck. Wait, hold on. It sounds like you're saying do get stuck on purpose. I am. I am saying get stuck on purpose, I guess. Just be with the friends. So if you do get stuck, yeah. you're not alone in the woods. Yeah. Be, do it in a control. If you have ever been stuck and you're worried about going off roading because you don't want to get stuck, especially if you're alone, go with some people, get stuck. Practice recovery techniques, and then they're there to help you get out. Um, but then you have those techniques for life. The only way to learn is to do. True. All right, you can call me Sensei now. All right, <laughs> that's it for this week. <laughs> this week's episode of the Total Offroad Podcast. We'll catch you on the trail. What you didn't say thanks out? for listening to episode 181. I, I, I mean, you said it at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, you just yeah. didn't say it at I the did. end, but it's fine. It's fine.